Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Welcome to episode 34 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. This is your host, M. Welcome if you are new and welcome back if you've been here before. In this episode, we will be talking about Inspector Koo, episodes 3 and 4, Cutie Pie, episodes 6 through 8, Cupid's Last Wish, episodes 1 through 4, and Dear Doctor, I'm Coming for Soul, episodes 1 through 3. So very heavy on the Thai dramas once again, except for Inspector Koo, which is a Korean drama. So we're actually going to start off with Inspector Koo. Our team has now been sort of funded by Chief, our mysterious woman, who is played by Kim Hae-suk, which even if you don't know the name, you would recognize her as soon as you saw her because she plays the mom or grandma in so many dramas. So they are essentially working for her, but while still working for the insurance company. They are relegated by their boss to the basement, but actually that is what they want by the boss of the insurance company because they want to be able to work essentially any way they want to without oversight and to work almost in secret. Remember, after all, they're trying to solve a serial murder case, which is not exactly fitting into their jobs as insurance investigators. But while they're settling into their new office, in the meantime, we see Kate eating out with her aunt in a restaurant. And as they're eating out, a news story comes on about a medical student who recorded his ex-girlfriend secretly and released the tape. So revenge porn. And her aunt expresses her disgust at what this man did. And Kate takes this as license basically to be judge, jury, and executioner. And, you know, tells her aunt that she will punish the guy. Which, of course, her aunt has no idea apparently has no idea what she's talking about but you see in in episode three and four you see her aunt she knows something is going on with her niece or suspects something is going on and even has an opportunity to i believe it's episode four to confront her because her id winds up missing and she's in the back of her mind is kind of in Uh, suspecting that it's her niece who took it but she goes to confront her but does not chickens out at the last minute does not take the chance so in any case in episode three Kay has decided she's going to punish this guy she decides to poison him essentially but this poisoning has many moving parts to it first she has to see who he is not exactly make contact with him but just observe who he is and clone his phone so she can track him and helping her do that is her accomplice We met him before, but now we see a little bit more of him. It turns out he works for a security firm. So he has access to security cameras in the area. He has access to some technology. So while he's cloning the sex offender's phone, Kay is planning how exactly she's going to kill the guy. And the method she devises and that we see later is she gets other people to do her work for her, essentially. There are actually different chemical components to the poisoning that she does. And the chemical components are divided into different things until they come together and cause the poisoning. And this actually makes it difficult for them to figure out what happens to this man once he passes away. But some of the... Some of the chemicals are in cooking oil, which is used to cook some french fries at a fair that he goes to. Some of it are in water, which it turns out he happens to be walking by. And some college students who are in this fair decide to start a water balloon fight. And of course, he gets drenched in the liquid, which this is no coincidence, of course. This is part of the moving pieces that she put into play in order to get him. And the way she gets different people to do things, we see between episode three and four, 
she notifies them that she needs them to do this one thing. So for example, her helper, her actual accomplice brings over a, some dishwashing detergent, leaves it on a carousel in the park, walks away. Here comes someone else a few minutes later, grabs up the dishwashing detergent, keeps walking, you know, probably put it somewhere else, etc. And we don't quite know the connection between any of these strangers who are involved, just that they receive a note that it's their turn to help. And the other connection we see between them, they all have this, this unusual doll. I don't know where they got it from, but that's how you know who is part of this circle of strangers who are involved. Now her accomplice, he's helping her, but he wants to be low key in a way. We see in episode three that he has developed a relationship, whether it's a friendship or something more, I'm not quite sure, but he has developed a relationship with a coworker in the security firm. And this is where his focus starts to shift to. He obviously wants to be friends with this guy. Kay, on the other hand, is still very focused on, you know, what she's doing and she starts to take risks that he is not comfortable with. And they have a little bit of a confrontation. And that's when you see that she is kind of willing to turn on him too, even though for her, it's like a big joke that she turns on him. But, but he knows that she would probably kill him in an instant if she could. This is the beginning of him. I wouldn't say realizing because he knew before, but realizing even more that he's in bed with the devil, that he almost can't separate himself from her. She won't allow it. Also in episode three, she becomes aware that a task force has been formed to try to find her. And so she gets curious. She thinks it's amusing, really. She gets curious and wants to see what their office is like and what they have. And that's when she steals her aunt's ID card because her aunt works at the same place um, that the team does, the insurance company. And so she gets, swipes her aunt's card and gets into the office that way, dressed as a janitor. She becomes curious about this because she sees a picture of Santa and realizes that Santa is working with Inspector Koo. She goes to the office. Somehow Santa senses that something is up with her decides to turn around to go to the office and catches what he thinks is a janitor or he's not sure who it is at the office and begins to chase her. And this goes all the way into episode four. He's not able to catch her, but as part of the chase, Kay gets hurt during the chase. And just to bring it right back around to her accomplice, during this chase, as I said, she hurts her leg. She winds up with her leg in a brace, in a splint actually. And in episode four, she is trying to contact her accomplice by phone. He is ignoring her phone calls really because he is spending time with his new friend. And I don't know if he's trying to separate from her or just he obviously would not want to pick up a call from her while he's standing next to his new friend who also works in security the same way that he does. And so he ignores her phone calls and he's walking with his friend. And all of a sudden here comes someone in a wheelchair flying, basically flying down the road and knocks straight into his coworker and knocks him straight off his feet. And once Kay's accomplice An Kyon Wook realizes that it is her, he is obviously scared out of his mind. Not just that she will say something, but that now she's essentially targeting his new friend. And he knows that she has the absolute ability to seriously hurt or kill his friend. 
So now he's between a rock and a hard place. He's obviously trying to kind of separate a little bit from her, but he can't. She's not going to let him. And, you know, she's like whispering to him, you better pick up my call. And of course, his friend has no idea what's going on and is wondering why he's not helping this poor woman who apparently has fallen out of her wheelchair. But it's because her accomplice knows exactly what she is capable of. Now, before she came flying through the air in her wheelchair, he had just been talking to her accomplice, had just been talking to his new friend about a little bit about his father. His father was a drunk. He was a janitor uh, in the town they were from. And that's where you begin to realize that apparently his father was the janitor that she killed back when she was in high school, which seems to be how they met. So there's just a lot going on here. We see Kay, who obviously she's mentally disturbed, is willing to just throw herself, her body physically into situations that can hurt her even more than she's already hurt. We see Inspector Koo, who's still a complete mess. She not just physically a mess, but she accuses her, Dunsang, her colleague of maybe sleeping with her husband. She's asking who's the father of the woman's child. This, this woman is the only one who apparently has had her back all these years and look at what she's accusing her of, right? She doesn't trust anybody. Kay, who again, Kay was really amused by the fact that this task force was formed. And while she was in there pretending to be a janitor, apparently bugged the place which they did realize in time, but now they're all paranoid that wherever they go, it's possibly bugged. Now they know someone's watching them. And then we've got her accomplice who, if it's true that his father was the janitor and appears to have been a very abusive person, and we don't, I don't think they said anything about the mom yet. He looks like someone who probably didn't have much in his life growing up, maybe no love in his life, no one cared for him. If he was abused by the father, maybe that's why he wasn't angry at Kay if he figured out what happened to him but his new friend seems to be the first person that's really that he wants to get close to that he feels maybe cares for him even at one point uh, it was in episode three he comes out to meet him in the morning and he's just taking a shower and his hair is still wet and his friend's like oh if you don't dry your hair you'll get a cold and he's he's so touched that somebody cares for him even in this little way but it's not gonna work out for him I don't know what's gonna happen to his poor friend I don't know if he won't even make it till the end but he's tied himself to someone who is a sociopath so I don't see things going well for him of course but for his friend his innocent friend up until this point his friend right because his friend has no involvement in any of this and doesn't know that he's an accomplice of a serial killer so we will see what happens next it's a total of 12 episodes I'm up to episode four now so almost halfway through. It's interesting so far. I would not describe it as cat and mouse only because Inspector Koo's team, it is called Inspector Koo, but she's not working alone. She definitely is part of a team. It's a little bit more of an ensemble cast in a way. Santa's always right by her side. We still haven't figured out why he has only spoken once in four episodes. You know, what is he hiding exactly? And uh, the rest of her team is also wanting to solve the murders right even though it's not in their purview as insurance officers but episode four we end off in a very scary spot they are tracking Kay, but she's also tracking them in her way and tricks them and two of them wind up being stuck in a looks like a shipping container which apparently is out to sea and they are possibly going to drown in the shipping container i don't think they will <laughs> there are still so many episodes left to the show but She's just proven how truly devious she can be, if we didn't already know it. So that's Inspector Koo. That is on Netflix. 
if you are into crime dramas but don't want to invest in a, some 60 episode show or even 20 episodes show, this may be a good one for you to check out. You do have to pay close attention to some things though because like I said, the way Kay plans her crimes, there are a lot of moving parts to it. All right, on to episodes six through eight of Cutie Pie. Cutie Pie can be found on YouTube on the Mandy channel. Episode six, we have a few things going on. First of all, Hia goes to visit the school. Hia Lin, Leanne, <laughs> goes to visit the school. I've been watching the episodes back to back, so I'm calling him Hia now too. <laughs> He's not my Hia. Leanne goes to visit the school. Kua is freaking out because... As far as he knows, Leanne still doesn't know that he's not an engineering student, that he's actually a mechanic student, I guess. And his he tells his friends, you know, what's going on that Leanne doesn't know this. And so they all decide that they're going to pretend to be upright engineering students. And they all go down to meet him, you know, in their nice white shirts and very polite and calling each other by their full formal names, no nicknames. <laughs> and it's just a very ridiculous scene, how he's dragged his friends into his little deception as well. Of course, Leanne knows the real deal and doesn't fall for it. And in fact, looks pretty amused at, at all of this that's going on. And as also in this episode, Dao and he also have their issues. Uh, you think that he doesn't know what Dao wants. He, he wants to, to drive Dao around and spend time to him with a little bit of time with him, but that's not what Dao wants. Dao wants him to move back into the house because he feels lonely without him there. He doesn't want to move back in. He's very, not that he doesn't want to move in, but he's very conflicted because of whatever it is that happens where he blames himself for Dao losing some of his memory. And so because he's so conflicted, he goes off and gets drunk. Leanne winds up having to take him home, back to his home with him. And this prevents Kua from going out to Gemini, to the club, to sing. Because he had called a, gotten a call from Jay played by Perth, who told him that the producer Jung Cook was in, was at Gemini, which of course made me laugh because I'm like, Jung Cook is in Gemini? Okay. Uh, if you're a BTS fan, you know <laughs> what that was about. But just as Ku was trying to leave, here comes Leanne and with his drunk friend. So he's not able to leave. He has to pretend that he was getting ready for bed because Leanne had told him, you know, to stay home. And obviously it wasn't true. He's not getting ready for bed. It causes a little bit of a confrontation. It's not the word. It's not some big negative thing. But Leanne does kind of catch him in a little bit of a lie that he told about about that he was getting ready, that he was planning to stay home. And Leanne, in catching him in all these lies, obviously finds him pretty cute. <laughs> and at the end of the episode, not the end, but after the little confrontation, you see Leanne, well, saying, like, thinking Kua's adorable, and he starts looking up ways to kind of to go on a, to go on a date or to how, or to try to just get closer to Kua. But, you know, there he's kind of stuck in his ways in a sense, and he takes them on a date that doesn't quite work out as he plans because it's a little too reminiscent of the previous dates they had before Kua tried to break the engagement. But Leanne does want to try to change things. It's hard though because Kua already, Kua's been hurt, so he's not sure that he can trust Leanne. On the one hand, he's happy that Leanne wants to go on dates with him and do things with him. But on the other hand, he's he's scared. But because they are plant or trying to spend time together, the end of episode six finds them in the kitchen trying to... Leanne is cooking something. Kua wants to help. But Kua is a little bit of butterfingers using a knife in the kitchen. Leanne yells at him because he's 
scared that Kua will get hurt, but it causes Kua to start crying and saying like, no wonder you don't love me, like I can't do anything. And Leanne goes to comfort him and kisses him. And this is the beginning of a somewhat steamy scene in the kitchen. And it ends there with them kissing in the kitchen. Episode seven just continues with them getting carried away in the kitchen. They're making out. And then I don't think it's a tea kettle. One of the the pots, I guess it was a pressure cooker, uh, went off. The sound went off. And this kind of wakes Kua up to what's going on. And he puts a stop to things because he's feeling a little overwhelmed and he puts a stop to things. Leanne is very caught up in the moment. (laughs) And even as he's stopping because Kua tells him to, you see him licking his lips. I actually watched a couple of reactions and no one mentioned that, which I found funny. I noticed it right away. He's really wanting to eat Kua up, you know? (laughs) He's just licking his lips, looking at his skin, his exposed skin, because Kua has one, um, the shoulder of his pajama is, it's it's off his shoulder. And, And Leanne obviously likes what he sees, but he does stop when Kua tells him to. Episode seven is just more of them spending their day together, getting to know each other I, I wouldn't even say getting to know each other a little more I guess they feel like they're getting to know each other a little a little more Kua catches Leanne in a kind of a little bit embarrassing moment because <laughs> Leanne is dancing around in his underwear and it's because he's happy about how things are growing between him and Kua Kua gets to see someone who's so straight-laced and so serious be in a very silly moment you know and Leanne part of them being or hanging out together is he takes Kua on a date to the racetrack and he gets to see Kua really in his element driving fast on the racetrack and maybe regretting it a little bit. I don't know because of Kua's driving. Kua obviously likes speed, but they get to know each other or just get to hang out freely without the strict rules and expectations of the previous dates that they used to have in the beginning before they moved in together. And we also still have uh, Yi and Yao. Their storyline is still going. We still don't know exactly what happened that made Dao lose any part of his memory. We don't know it yet. I feel like that part of the storyline is going pretty slow at this point. And I'm talking about episode seven. And I don't think that was even introduced until I think it was episode five when they introduced that. So you still don't really know, like, why are they living together? Why is he wanting to take care of Dao so much? You, you don't exactly know what's going on. And he's carrying all this guilt in him, but it's a self-imposed kind of guilt because Dao is not making him feel guilty. Dao is not accusing him of anything or anything like that. So it's really a self-imposed guilt. We've also got Sin and Nua who are developing a little bit of a friendship. And Nua is the one who was watching Kua for some reason, but he's becoming a little bit intrigued by Sin and the way Sin sees the world. He he finds him to be someone very different from what he's used to. So you see that relationship might get kicked off a little bit, but they started them off pretty late, but I guess that's okay it's not a secondary couple it's just it's a side couple so you see the chemistry between them you see uh, Noor being intrigued so you know something's gonna happen but again they still have not explained why Noor was following Kua around or why he's so interested in Kua in the first place and even though this episode Leanne and Kua are getting to know each other 
Leanne still, it's episode seven. Leanne still hasn't come clean that he knows exactly who Kua is and that everything Kua is showing him about his life, you know, being an engineering student, all that kind of stuff. He knows that it's all a lie. So he's upset because Kua isn't showing his true self, but he's really not showing his true self to him either. Episode seven ends with Leanne bringing Kua to his nightclub with him, which is cool because we got a little cameo from Balon and Prem. So that was good to see. But they're playing some kind of drinking game and it causes, well, Kua is a, has a, had a little too much to drink at that point. He's a little bit inebriated. But anyway, it's a drinking game and it causes, causes them to start just kissing away, making out over there in the club, which is how you know Kua's had a bit too much to drink because I don't, I wouldn't see him just doing that normally. But even at one point, Leanne, <laughs> when he realizes everyone's staring at them, he puts the folder up in front of their face so that no one can see them, even though everyone knows exactly what they're doing. And episode eight, they wind up back at home. And that's when, through their kissing, Kua starts having a bit of a fat flashback and starts realizing that he's kissed Leanne before. He's been in this position before. And he asks Leanne, was he the one who took him home that day before they moved in together when Leanne took him home when he was drunk at, the Gem at Gemini's? And Leanne admits that, yes, it's true. He's the one who took him home, which, of course, upsets Kua a bit, right? Because he's been lying to him all this time. They talk about it a bit and they are intimate in the beginning of episode eight. I know this is what people have been waiting for. And I haven't looked recently, but that part one of episode eight had like double the views of any other part of that episode. <laughs> and I know it's because people went and rewatched it a number of times. But actually, I felt like it went on a bit long, to be honest. The whole intimacy scene, it was like half the episode or well, maybe not quite half, but it just went a bit long. But, you know, if this is what you've been waiting for this whole time, then maybe you thought it wasn't long enough, right? Because we are in episode eight already. <laughs> but I personally thought it went a, a bit long. What I do like, I do have to say, is that Leanne... Before they go all the way, he makes sure with Kua, he asks Kua, you know, if, if he's drunk, Kua says no, he makes sure. He tells him later on, if you're not okay with what's going on, let me know. So even though he can seem overbearing at times, and I don't want to use the word aggressive because it's not like violent or something, but forceful. He is very much about consent because every time Kua has stopped him in previous episodes, he stops. He doesn't try to really push him further. Um, he stops immediately. And now in this episode, we see him making sure Kua is okay with everything that's going on. And I like that about, that's the one, not the one good thing, but that's a good thing about his character for someone who, I don't know if they say again exactly how old he is, but he's significantly older than Kua. So even though he's running roughshod over him in other ways, it's good that at least in this way, he's not doing so. Now, it looks like according to um, the preview, uh, or in the showing some papers, some, some financial papers that Leanne is signing with properties that are changed into his name. Things look like they are about to get rough. They're finally on the same, apparently on the same page emotionally, but things look like they're about to get rough. I have not read the novel. So I have my theories about what's going to happen next, but it might be in the novel, might not be in the novel. I'm not sure, but I haven't read it. But I, I think Kua's family is in financial difficulties. I think that's the thing with changing things into Leanne's name and 
in a previous episode, I think it was like episode two or something, we see the whole reason for the water company and for Leanne starting the club is that he wants everything to be, he wants to be financially set and be able to support Kua. And I'm wondering if it's just because Kua's family might be bankrupt. You know, just because you're from old money, so to speak, or you have an old family name, doesn't mean that the wealth has, has survived all of the generations. So this might cause a problem because a, Kua may feel that Leanne is lying to him, his family's lying to him, everyone's lying to him about any precarious financial situation that the family is in. Or B, he might find out that everything's been transferred into Leanne's name, doesn't give Leanne a chance to explain himself. And for all he knows, Leanne is just coming across as some kind of, you know, gold digger or something. Or he realizes Leanne is trying to basically save the family or save him. And maybe we'll feel that Leanne doesn't really love him, that he just feels an obligation to him because of their childhood promise. So angst is on the way, I'm sure. I, I don't know exactly what form of angst and how it will be resolved, but it will be interesting to see. I think we're also going to see some angst between Yi and Diao because we see at one point um, Kua is offering for Diao to stay in his house. So there may be something that goes on between Yin Dao and Dao ends up being at, at staying at Kua's house. The only thing is that at his secret house, but the only thing is that's really not a secret house, right? Because Leanne knows where it is. So I'm sure if he was asked, he would tell um, his best friend exactly where he can find Dao. So we'll see. I'm curious to see what happens in episode nine. We have to wait another week. They didn't show it last week because uh, I believe it's New Year's um, celebration. It's a holiday in Thailand. So they did not show last week's episode of cutie pie they did show a behind the scenes special so if that's something you're interested in go check it out on the mandy channel so next up i'm going to talk about dear doctor i am coming for soul dear doctor i'm coming for soul unfortunately will be a little difficult to find not not super difficult but a little more difficult it's not on youtube unless well not on youtube for you if you are in the united states i don't know about canada <laughs> but you will need a vpn in order to see Dear Doctor, I'm Coming for Soul, if you want to catch it on YouTube. Alternatively, you can catch it on ITE, but it is if you have the VIP package. So ITE, that's um, www.iq.com to get to the website. And there it is. So Dear Doctor, I'm Coming for Soul is the story of Pakarn, who is a, a medical doctor, and Taupi, who is a grim reaper. Now, obviously, these two professions are pretty much in opposition of each other because the doctor's trying to save people and Taupi's they're collecting souls. So actually let me backtrack a little. I Chi, because I just took a look, I wanted to make sure. I Chi, so you do looks like you do not need VIP to see the previous episodes, episodes one through four. You do need VIP to see the specials and looks like episode five is um also VIP. But if they've got the older episodes where you do not need it VIP at some point it must switch over but either way it is on YouTube for free if you have uh, a VPN if you're in the, if you're in the United States you have a VPN it is on Studio Wabi Sabi on YouTube I saw episode one there because I had my VPN set to Taiwan I'm not sure which other countries will work but I had mine set to Taiwan and that's how I was able to see it but lately I've been watching it on Aichi. So Prakarn is played by Nut and Taupi is played by Karn, who 
You may recognize these two main actors. They were in Grey Rainbow, the BL Grey Rainbow, which was a 2016 drama BL. They were the main couple. I have such a sense of nostalgia as I'm watching this because it wasn't one of the first ones I watched, but it was one that touched me. Yeah, I just found it an interesting show. And then it had a horrendous ending. <laughs> and spoiler, sorry, but horrendous ending. I don't know why in the world they did that. If if you've seen History 3 Make Our Days Count, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you've got a good show going and they decide to start doing terrible things to people. I don't know why they did that. It actually kind of put me off a little bit from watching BLs because I used to watch Japanese dramas back in the day. And part of the reason I didn't watch them as much anymore is because there were a lot of sad endings, which I don't want to see a bunch of sad endings. I don't mind the occasional sad endings, but not all the time. So when I started looking at Thai BLs, Grey Rainbow was one of the first that I saw to completion and it's not many episodes. And there we had a sad ending and I was like, oh no, don't tell me Thai dramas are this way. So it put me off of it a little bit of, of watching BLs, specifically BLs. I was still watching other Thai dramas and then I realized not all of them were ending sadly. So I gave it another go and I'm glad I did. But it scarred me watching that. And these two actors have not acted in anything together since that show. So I'm feeling this nostalgia watching them now acting together. And they've still got the chemistry all these years later. Also in this show, we've got Yacht. So he's getting a lot of roles lately, right? He's also in Paint With Love. We've, we've also got Pat, who is playing a, I think he's a nurse here. And his character so far is pretty decent. He's a nurse who has feelings for Prakan's character. It's funny though, because I'm not going to talk much about it here because I'll probably talk about it in the next, my next podcast, but I also watched my ride and this actor was also in my ride and I could not stand his character in my ride. He was a flat out cheater. And so it's, it's been weird for me to one day be watching him in my ride playing someone who I can't stand. And the next day, you know, I'm watching Dear Doctor, I'm coming for soul and I'm feeling really bad for his character and his unrequited love, you know? So that's, that's been odd. But Dear Doctor, I'm Coming for Soul. It's set in a hospital. Prakarn is a gifted doctor. He wants to be the head of surgery. And the way they do it in this hospital, he basically has to enter into a competition with Yacht's character to become the head of surgery. So they are trying to have the best medical outcomes with their patients to so that they can win the competition. Of course, the problem is that he knows that Tao P is also hanging around the hospital collecting souls, and he's the only person who is able to see Tao P. So sometimes it puts him in this kind of weird position where he's like lecturing Tao P about leaving his patients alone or whatever. But as far as anyone around him can tell, he's just talking into the air because like, <laughs> no one else can see him. Prakan and, and Tao P have this kind of push-pull relationship because... On the one hand, Furkan has problems with Tao P because, you know, he's collecting his patients that he's trying to save. On the other hand, though, he feels a kind of connection to Tao P. He tells him his problems, his feelings, what he's going through. And so he feels like Tao P is someone who genuinely listens to him. And in some ways, he doesn't feel like he really has that in his life. But throughout the episodes, we see some flashbacks from Tao P and we realize they have even more of a connection than Prakan realizes because they apparently knew each other when Prakan was little. Tao P was 
I don't know if he's supposed to be like a teenager or an adult at that point until and Furkan was a little boy and they knew each other in the hospital. You know that Talpi was ill, but you don't know yet what it was that he had. I do find it to be an interesting show. They don't have big a big budget, I don't think. You know, they're most of it's set in the hospital and either in Prakan's home or uh, Talpi's home. Prakan is a very prickly character. He's described as foul-mouthed by by uh, one of his co-workers but at the same time you know that he cares deeply for his patients. Tao P is someone who finds Prakan amusing in some ways. He wants to try to get close to Prakan but at the same time you know he's not supposed to. We see in um, I believe this in, in the trailer a whole scene where they're talking about Grim Reapers are not supposed to fall in love with humans and of course you know that's what's going to happen here that he will fall in love with him. And Prakan, obviously, his feelings will start to change for Talpi as well. In the beginning, he just wants Talpi to stay out of his hospital. <laughs> and by episode three or four, you see him getting closer to him and realizing Talpi has his own function. I guess the, the story here is Seth being a part of life, right? Um, in a hospital, we see Prakan's mother is ill. She's not telling him that she, he knows she's ill. He doesn't know the extent of her illness. She's clearly keeping that a secret. So that'll be something he's going to have to deal with going forward. We see that he is starting to gain a little more understanding of Taupi as just a person. Because Taupi is not always around as a Grim Reaper. When he's performing his role of Grim Reaper, he's dressed all in black. Then we see him sometimes with a Hawaiian shirt on. And that's when he's just Joe Schmo walking down the street. Just a regular guy. And we see Prakan getting to know the regular guy, Tao P, and see that he's not some evil person. He is someone who's performing his, his role as part of the cycle of life. So far, it is very heavily focused on the relationship between Prakan and Tao P. There's nothing romantic going on yet, but it's focusing on them becoming friends. We have all these other characters, but we don't, we, we do get a sense that Yacht's character likes their colleague, but nothing has developed between them. And at this point of the show, it has shifted more into the focus of the competition between Yacht's character and uh, Prakan to see who is going to be the head of surgery. We were also introduced in episode three, I believe it was, to a new character called Nati who is on Yacht's team of physicians. And he's a character I have an issue with. He's he's kind of one of these underhanded people who's always trying to put the other team down because he's trying to get Yacht to win. But he looks like he's the love interest for our secondary couple. So hopefully he, he will change. But so far he's being pretty underhanded. So far I am really enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying watching Prakan and Tapi get closer. We see Prakan at one instance asks Taupi if they knew each other from before. So he senses that there is this kind of maybe long time connection with Taupi, but he doesn't, he doesn't really remember it. He was a kid. And you see a flashback of them in the hospital together and you don't know yet why either one of them was in the hospital. So those are things we're going to find out later. I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of the show. I definitely plan to continue with it. Uh, last but not least, Cupid's Last Wish. 
I feel like I've been waiting for Cupid's Last Wish forever. It took so long to come out. And I was hoping it would come out earlier in the year. And then I realized after a while, like, they're not putting this out while Not Me is out. Which is exactly what wound up happening. So Cupid's Last Wish is the drama with Earth and Mix. And White is in here also. Uh, so far he doesn't have a pairing. Although it it sort of seemed in the last episode like maybe he likes Lynn. Um, Lynn is played by Jan. So let me backtrack. We've got Earth who is playing Corn, Mix is playing Wynn. Jan is playing Lynn. Wynn and Lynn are brother and sister. And White is playing... Well, he plays a doctor. He's their, he's their friend, their university friend. I am enjoying the show thus far. I'm not sure how it's doing in the ratings, um, official ratings. You know, I look at the views on YouTube and they don't seem super high. But to be honest, it showed on Disney Plus Hotstar a long time ago before. It was finished, actually, I think, before they, even before they started showing it on YouTube. So there's a bunch of people who've already seen it. And... From what I hear, the reactions were kind of mixed to it being on Disney Plus Hotstar, but things are looking better for it on YouTube. There were some editing issues. I think there were sound issues and things like that, and that has been fixed for YouTube. So hopefully those people who saw it on Disney Plus Hotstar and didn't like whatever was going on with the technical or the editing issues, hopefully we'll give it another chance. I think I read that Piaf kind of stepped in and helped to improve on the problems and the quality of the show. So anyway, storyline. Wynn and Lynn, or Wynn and Corn are friends. And Corn is, you know, always hanging around the farm because he's very good friends with Wynn and helping him with, with the cattle and so forth. And Wynn and Lynn's father passes away. And in the reading of the will, it turns out that some monies or some shares, I think it was, went to Corn, and Wynn does not take it very well and accuses Corn of basic of hanging around him just to get close to his father to try to get some form of inheritance. I don't know if he truly believes that. I mean, obviously, he's this is a sensitive time for him. His father has just passed away. He's got an aunt and uncle who are waiting in the wings, a greedy aunt and uncle waiting in the in the wings for their bit of the inheritance. They're looking at corn suspiciously, suspiciously and kind of plant the bug in Wynn's ear that corn is there for his own purposes. It's not true. Corn is there because he loves Wynn as a friend, but it's kind of clear that he was having feelings for Wynn. Actually, that they were having feelings for each other really before that, because part of what we see in these early episodes is that Lynn has a little bit of gel, Wynn, excuse me, has a little bit of jealousy towards Lynn because he sees that Lynn and Corn are close. And I think he thinks that Corn likes Lynn. So he's feeling a little jealousy towards Lynn. That's not what's happening at all, clearly. I think Corn was a goner for Wynn, probably from the moment they met. So Wynn's got that all wrong. But anyway, in his fit of anger, he tells Corn, you know, to get out. To get... He throws a box of stuff at him, you know, take your stuff and get out. Says he never wants to see him again. Time passes and unbeknownst to him, Lynn and their mom is actually still keeping in contact with Corn. The farm is not doing well. Uh, we see Wynn looking at um, some numbers, some financial numbers. Looks like the farm is going to fold in a matter of months if things don't change. And one possible help would be a bakery on the farm. 
which Lynn wants to do. She's very interested in it. Lynn does not want to do a bakery at all. Doesn't believe in it. It's too connected to corn in his mind. And he finds out actually that Lynn and corn are still communicating. And he blames corn for the whole idea of the bakery. Drags Lynn off to go confront corn so that corn will just leave them alone and have nothing whatsoever to do with their life. And unfortunately, because he's mad and driving erratically, they get into a car crash and Wynn and Lynn are hospitalized. And as part of the car crash, their souls are switched in their bodies. And when Wynn wakes up, it turns out he is in Lynn's body, which he somehow convinces White's character and Corn that it's really him. And they believe him because he's able to tell them things that, you know, otherwise... He wouldn't know that Lynn would not know, but that Wynn would know. And they get a visit from a monk who I think I read was his actual real uncle, a Wynn's uncle. I don't know if that's true or not, or if they're just calling him uncle out of respect. But they learn from the monk that Wynn and Corn need to go on a on a journey, on a road trip to collect holy water from seven from seven different uh, temples, Buddhist temples. And bring it back and that will help Wynn and Lynn get back into their proper bodies. Which, of course, Wynn is stubborn and does not want to be traveling with corn at all. And is trying to refuse and the monk is like, it's not going to work otherwise. So, <laughs> which is true, he tries various ways to do it, nothing works, and he just winds up having to travel with corn anyway. Wynn is very much like a, I keep on thinking of him as a porcupine, <laughs> very bristly, very defensive against corn. He still doesn't know what to think of corn. Corn just wants to love him. <laughs> really. He just wants to help. He wants his best friend back. He wants to be part of the family again, or part of the family with Wynn, right? Because Lynn and their mom still loves him as as like a part of the family, but it's Wynn that he wants to, to win over again. You know, that was his best friend. So no matter how prickly uh, Wynn is being, Corn is just, he's just going to love him. And he's going to slowly wear down Wynn's defenses. Wynn was very rough with Corn in that first episode. You know, some of the things he said to him and I was reading a lot of people were just like, oh my goodness, he's terrible. But the truth is, you know, anyone who's lost someone, anyone who's lost a parent, especially if you were too young to have lost a parent, it is, it's overwhelming. It's a lot of grief. Wynn has the added pressure of having to run the farm unexpectedly, too soon. And he probably thought he was going to have his best friend by his side helping him. And it turns out he can't, right? Because all of a sudden he's, it's like he can't trust his best friend. So he's really feeling alone and it's a lot of pressure. And everyone reacts to grief differently, of course. And one of the things is some people get very angry. And so Wynn is a very angry person for a long time. And he's still feeling some anger. So this trip is, it's partially to get his body back, but it's partially also just to help him work through his grief and realize that he has been, you know, pushing away the one person who's going to, who really could be a complete and total support to him. Now, here's the thing. While they're on this road trip trying to get this holy water, the aunt and uncle are still over there, you know, on the side being greedy and trying to to get what they think they deserve. 
So I don't know what trouble they're going to get into. We see a little of the preview for episode five that something's going to happen. Their uncle steps up and says he's going to take care of the farm. And he knows nothing about running a farm. So who knows what he's going to screw up, you know. But even though this sounds like somewhat angsty, it is kind of comedic, the show in a way. Um, So it's got some angst. It's got some comedy. But comedy comes into play when, you know, you've got Wynn in this female body, body all of a sudden. That he doesn't know what to do with. He's got hormones going on. There's quite a few things that go on. He's trying to eat this delicious food. He gets full immediately, you know, after a few bites. And Corn is like, yeah, you're in your sister's body. <laughs> like, she's going to get full quicker than that. You know, he just he just has can't wrap his head around that things have changed for him. Actually, in episode in the last episode, he starts menstruating. And that's another shock for him. He's cramping. He's not feeling good. (laughs) He's just experiencing something he never, ever could have conceived that he would have felt or dealt with in his life. At least he gets to see, because he's stuck in the bathroom when he realizes that he's bleeding. So he gives Corn a call and poor Corn is having to go out and buy sanitary napkins and of course has no idea what to get. So he's finding himself in this embarrassing situation. But he steps up to the plate and goes above and beyond. You know, he buys some painkillers for him because he asks the people in the store about it. He even buys some chocolate because he's he heard that chocolate is a mood booster. <laughs> and you just see this soft look on Lynn's face. Jan is playing the role at this point. Mix and Jan switch back and forth in the acting. And Jan is playing it at this point. And you just see her looking at corn like really realizing like this is boyfriend material (laughs) you know so I've never seen Jan before but I'm very impressed by her acting she's really trying to get wins up I keep calling him win she's really trying to get mixes mannerisms down so that's good they're just doing a really good job when they transition from one actor to another but playing the same character so I see people giving them their props for that but I just have to say Kudos to Earth. I saw um, a bit of the behind the scenes that they showed and it was kind of pointed out in that behind the scenes that Earth is really having to act twice because some of the things are being filmed with him, him versus Mix, and then some things are filmed with him versus Jen. And he has to remember how he reacted when he filmed a scene, let's say with the Mix, and then he has to kind of show that same reaction when he's filming the scene with Jen. So that whenever they do transition in the editing, it's a smooth transition. So Earth worked double time in this show. And I just want him to get, you know, to, to say kudos to him too. I'm glad that Piaf stepped in and apparently helped with some of the editing and stuff. But I kind of wish he had had this show from the beginning because I would be interested to see what he would do with it. Um, I, it's it's okay so far. I don't really have complaints. I did obviously didn't see it on Disney Plus Hotstar, so I'm not sure exactly what what the problems were when it was there, but it caused some mixed reactions. And Mix's character is causing a bit of mixed reaction now just because of, like I said, his the way he is processing his grief, it kind of rubs some people the wrong way. But I think a lot of people, unfortunately, in these past couple of years have lost people close to them, have lost parents or family members. And there's a good number of people who I think will understand um, some of what Wynn is going through. And so I don't think it's really out of bounds or out of the realm of possibility 
that someone would react exactly the way that Wynn is reacting to the losses that he's had in his life. And that's just the emotional piece of missing his father, let alone the burden of trying to run this farm and knowing that the farm is failing and that the livelihood of all the people on this farm and of your mom and your sister, you know, it's all resting on your your young shoulders. I mean, when he's in his 20s, he's very young for all of this. So it's a lot of pressure on him. I do wonder, I think this is based on a novel. I do wonder about the ages of these characters because I think I read that when that they're supposed to be seven or eight years out of university and quite frankly mixed. <laughs> he just looks a little too young, <laughs> but you know, I, they want to keep their earth mixed pairing together. So I'm, I'm willing to overlook that he looks that he's got this baby face. <laughs> so that's it. Cupid's last wish. I definitely will continue watching it. I'm finding it, you know, it's got its sweet, funny moments. I really like Korn's character. Of course I like earth. But I just like Korn's calm character. He's exactly what Wynn needs in this moment. The episodes are moving a little quickly in some ways. It seems like it's not that quick. But then on the other hand, uh, in the last episode, episode four, they say that they have only two more days left for their journey. It's a seven day. They only have seven days to collect all the holy water and bring it back. But they're not. I thought they would actually show an episode her bottle of holy water but that's not what's happening they've they've kind of skipped ahead so it is moving a little quickly in that sense but i think it's because they have to give time in the show in the overall show for the conflict now with the aunt and uncle because we've seen them in little scenes but they haven't had a direct confrontation with win yet about the future of the farm so that that has to come up at some point so i'm looking forward to the rest of it so that is this can be found on YouTube on the GMM TV channel. My next podcast, I will hopefully continue to with Inspector Koo, um, Cupid's Last Wish, of course, Cutie Pie. Maybe I'll, I'll only be talking about one episode because like I said, they did not show it this last week. They showed it behind the scenes because of the, the holiday in Thailand. So I'll take the opportunity to talk about my ride, the series as a whole. I, I, pro- I won't go episode by episode, but I will talk about the series as a whole. It's it's a 10 episode series. Actually, it's on Gaga Ulala. So thank you so much for listening. If you've got any comments or questions or suggestions about something I should be watching, or if you disagree with anything I've said here, feel free to reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at DramaWatcher6, and you can reach me by email at DramaWatcherNotes at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and stay safe, everyone.